Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. And if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. All right, so we are continuing our series called Renew Your Mind in 2023. And I recognize in my own life that every day is a renewal of my mind because my mind wanders, right? Uh, I believe that we're taught in Genesis 3, sin enters the world, sin has distorted everything, and that my mind through my flesh is going to go the way of my own desires, my own wants, my own lusts, and that's typically always away from God. And so I need to be renewed in my mind. I need to refocus on the things that are good. I need to refocus on God's will, not my will. And so the whole focus as we begin this new year and and really kick off the opportunity to be intentional about renewing our mind. And this is all built on Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're renewed in God's word every time we look at it. So that you may discern, have understanding, be able to see what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said to ask that the will of God, which is in heaven, would also be on earth, that his will would lead us and guide us. And so his will is so important because his will is perfect, his will is right, and his will is the one that will lead us in the way of life and hope. Today we're going to look at the the challenge in life um, of adversity. How many of you have ever gone through adversity in your life? (laughs) All right, so for the younger people that are here, you might like dream your life out and think what your life's going to be like and and you picture everything, how it's going to be. Let me tell you, everything you think is wrong. It will not turn out. I thought I was going to be six foot six playing in the NBA and NFL. None of it turned out the way I thought it was going to turn out. But let me tell you, if you follow the Lord, it's better than what you dream about. This past weekend, my son and I went over to Kissimmee. They had a youth event uh, where it was a a two-hand touch football tournament for kids, and they let adults play, which may not be the wisest choice. Uh, I played and can't walk right today. (laughs) But... One of the things is my son got into sports and my daughter got into sports, and one of the great challenges is overcoming adversity. And I think sports do teach us some really good principles when it comes to that. I remember when I first got to high school and I I was playing on the football team and we would do double sessions or triple sessions. It was basically you went to practice when the sun came up and you went home when the sun went down and your body and everything in you was dead every night. And at the very end of the practice, they, they would have conditioning. How many of you remember conditioning? Right? Conditioning was they're going to run you until you can't run anymore because it's supposed to make you better. Right? So it's good pain, not bad pain. And I remember when my son started having conditioning at his practices and we would talk later, he says, everyone hates conditioning. And believe me, I watch these kids, they look like they're about to die because they had to run 100 meters. I'm like, it's not that bad. (laughs) But you know that it gets, it pushes your limits. It pushes your, your, your ability. And, and what I told my son is this, and I think it aligns with what we're going to see in scripture today. I said, if you can learn to love that, if you can train your mind to enjoy that pain, you'll be so far ahead of everybody else. 
If you look forward to conditioning and you say, I can't wait for conditioning. When conditioning comes and when you're running, you say, I love how this feels. I love what this is going to do for me. And you say that out loud and you actually break all of that control in your mind of fear and doubt and, and pain. It's actually very uh, overpowering. It, it gives you life. And so this morning, I was thinking of that concept of, as Christians, how do we navigate life when all of us have adversity? There's not a single person in this room who hasn't had adversity. Maybe adversity defines your life. Maybe your adversity is the thing you wake up thinking about, and it's the thing you think about before you go to bed. Maybe the adversity in your life is, is what stresses you out, brings you anxiety, and is the thing you think is unfair, and you wonder why God allowed it into your life to begin with. And so this morning, the question we're going to dive into is, what does God want us to know about adversity? What does God want? So God created us. He knows us. What does he want us to know about adversity? Is there uh, good adversity, or is all adversity bad? And that's the question I want to ask God to speak to us through his word, reveal his truth, and help us to understand so we can apply. Let's precede his word in prayer and ask him just to speak to us clearly this morning. Father God, you are holy, you are just, you are righteous, you are with us. And Lord, we, we are here to hear from you. And Lord, we know that we need certain things in life. Uh, we need shelter, we need food, we need clothing, we need relationships, we need encouragement, we need support. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning, know that you're the only one who can truly supply these needs for us. And so we ask that you would give us today what we need for today. Lord, we ask that you would guide the conversation in our hearts and our minds as we read your word, that this would penetrate into our soul so that we would have an understanding of life. We'd have an understanding of maybe the difficult things in life, that we would be able to trust you with the bad things, trust you with the difficult things. Lord, I pray that you would protect us from the enemy, protect us from our own flesh, lead us in the way of righteousness, lead us in the way of truth. Help us to know a little bit more about what you would have us to be today so that we can be a reflection of you. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we submit this time to you. We ask that your name would be lifted up. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're just with us for the first time, we're going through the book of Romans together. We're in Romans chapter 5. As you come in, we have sermon-based studies that go deeper into this chapter. We're only hitting parts of it today, uh, but I would encourage you on your own or in a group, take one of those sermon-based studies and really dive in because the, the word is rich. There's so much more to it than anything I could say to you this morning, and the Holy Spirit's going to say things to you that, that are going to really affect you and, and really encourage you. So I would encourage you to get one of those on your way out or to take the one you have and, and, and invest in it. To understand the context of the book of Romans is to understand a time when Christianity didn't exist yet. It just started and it wasn't easy to be a Christian. Many people who made this decision to repent and believe, to confess the Roman uh, polytheistic religious view, to, to say I no longer believe that I need an idol in my house and worship the idol. I no longer believe that, that, that Caesar is God. I no longer believe in all these uh, uh, pagan practices. I'm, I'm rejecting all of that and I'm confessing that to God and 
now I am living a life pleasing to him. I am his child. I'm part of his family. And I believe the kingdom that matters is his kingdom. That was not a popular thing to say then. That was not well received by the community. That was not something that was put on the, you know, any bumper sticker that people liked. It was something that put you in prison. Maybe you could be put to death for. You could definitely lose your job for it. It was not easy to be a follower of Christ when this letter is written to the, to the Roman church. And so for these people, they're going through adversity. Their lives is, are full of, I thought this was going to make it better, but it's actually making it harder right now than following Christ. And so we can relate to that in some ways, in some ways we can't. But the truth is, this letter is for us through the Holy Spirit as much as it was for the ones that it was written for 2,000 years ago. And we need to recognize that whatever adversity is in your life, God is aware of it. He is not, he is not surprised that you have challenges in your life. He's not surprised of the issues that you're dealing with today. He actually deeply cares about them, and he wants to be involved in really bringing either growth or healing or hope through them. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith leads us to peace. You realize that in life, the first person you need to have peace with is God, through Christ. That peace with him brings peace to all your other relationships. And, and in life, if you try to make peace with yourself first, it causes problems across the board. Because there's really, uh, the Bible teaches us we have two aspects of our nature. The Bible says that I have a sinful life, that I have lusts and desires. I have things that pull me away from God. Uh, God did not create me to lie, but I have the capacity to lie, and my flesh tells me to lie if it's beneficial to me. Uh, the Bible says to be faithful. It says uh, to not covet. It says all of these things that are very clear, but in my flesh I want to do those things. So I have to make the decision, am I going to be led by my flesh or am I going to be led by the Spirit? And here's where the peace comes into it. I either pursue peace with my flesh and give over everything at once. Flesh, oh, you want that? I don't want to have peace with my flesh. I'll tell that lie. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll cut that corner. I'll say that thing about that person. I'll hold on to that grudge. I'll hold on to that anger. I will blame them when I should take responsibility. So I can either make my flesh comfortable by submitting to whatever my flesh tells me to do. So do whatever I want to do, make it comfortable and make peace with my flesh, or I make peace with God. And I confront my flesh and I say, you are not my master, you are not my Lord, you're not in charge of me. I'm not going to listen to you because you bring death. You bring destruction. Because your flesh is going to lead you to a lot of problems and it will never lead you to paradise or to life. And so here we're told it is by faith, not by my good works, not by my, me being a good person, not my, by my abilities or me being a special person. It's by my faith in Christ that I'm able to have peace with God. And so this morning, as we, as we begin this journey of dealing with the, the challenges in life, if my faith and my peace are in myself, it is going to be impossible to deal with everything in life. Because I can tell you one thing you can't control. It's called death. You might be able to deal with the financial issues of life, the relational issues of life, being successful in this life. You may be able to conquer a lot of things and you think it's in your own power. You cannot conquer death. And the truth is, as we recognize through COVID, you really can't uh, conquer your body because sickness can come to you whether you like it or not. Cancer can attack whether you want it to or not. 
We have limited control in this life. But what we do have control over is, do I submit to my flesh? Do I submit to my own desires? Do I submit to my will? Or do I submit to the Lord? And in doing so, you produce peace. You produce peace. And I would encourage you this morning, if you haven't made peace with God, that's the first step to dealing with adversity in your life. If you want to deal with the challenges in life, you need to have peace with God. When, when you think about the concept that there's a creator who sees everything you've ever thought, ever did, every action, that this creator God is involved in every aspect of your life, and he knows you better than you know yourself, and you don't feel guilty in front of him anymore because you have peace. You don't feel like he's mad at you anymore. You know, that's not peace. If this morning you grew up and you were told God is mad at you, he's mad at you, he's mad at you, he's mad at you, that's not peace with God. Peace with God is recognizing, yes, I am a sinner. I was born a sinner. I have sinned, but I have been cleansed or cleaned from that sin, and now I can have right relationship with God. I don't have to go before him as a guilty person. I go before him as an innocent child covered with his, uh, the covering of his perfect blood so that I have peace with him. And so this morning, as we think about this concept of dealing with adversity, we first must understand that we have to have a right relationship with God to have peace. And that comes through Christ. We continue on, Romans 5, 19. If you have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. I would encourage you to read this whole chapter, very, very enlightening chapter. But verse 19 says this, For just as though the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. Now, in, in cemetery, which I went to, I mean seminary, uh, they, they really dive deep into words, and they love like learning what words mean, and I agree that's really important. Uh, you get into theology, but there is a theological point here that one man represented all of us. Is it fair, and I don't want you to raise your hand, is it fair that Adam and Eve got to choose sin to come into this world? Does that seem fair to you? It doesn't seem fair to me. I don't like it. But the truth is, let's be honest, let's be honest, if you or I were put in the same position, would we do anything different? Would I have done anything different if I was put in his position? Would you have done anything different if you were to put in his position? I, I know me, and I probably would have, like, maybe even eaten it earlier than they did. But the point of the matter is, all of us, through one man, all have been, been cursed with sin. It was through one decision that all of us have been placed under the curse. And you know what that teaches me? Do you know what that teaches me? That choices matter. Decisions matter. The things I do can impact my kids and their kids and their kids. If I, lie, if I tell my children one thing but do another thing, if I, if I sin in a way that distorts truth, that can be passed down to them, and they'll be passed down to their kids and their kids. Was it fair that that third generation is impacted by my decision? It's not fair, but it is true. And we're all impacted. And the Bible here is saying, through one man, think about this, through one person, through one couple, everything has been distorted. There is no COVID if they don't do this, right? There is no uh, hatred. There is no murder. There, you, listen, if this didn't happen, you don't have to have locks on your doors. You don't have to have security systems. You don't even really, like, you would have, think about how freeing it would be if sin didn't exist. 
If you didn't have to worry about the person next to you stealing your stuff, trying to hurt you, trying to use you for something, how many times when you go to buy a car do you feel like, they're trying to get everything from me? <laughs> How hard is it to trust in this day and age? How hard is it to trust people really want the best for you? People come to church and they're like, all you want is my money. Because trust has been broken. Trust has been distorted. And it all comes back to this decision that these people made. And it's so important for us to recognize that we are born into sin. You don't sin. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. And that's an important distinction. I was born a sinner. No one taught me how to lie. I knew how to do it. Nobody taught me how to steal. I knew how to do it. Nobody taught me how to talk bad about people behind their back. It naturally came to me. Nobody taught me how to be prideful and arrogant and self-centered. It just comes natural. I'm just a pro at it. And so sin has distorted everything in this world. None of us in this room have ever lived a single day without sin impacting our life. You've never known a single second without sin's existence in your life. That's why heaven is so beyond our ability to understand. Because we don't know what it's like to live completely free from sin yet. And so the answer to sin, there's only one answer. What's that answer to sin? It's Jesus, right? We say it a lot. We say the only answer to sin is Jesus. But saying it and living it and truly allowing it to absorb into who we are are two different things. In James it says even the demons know this truth. That it's, not, it's one thing to know it, but it's another thing to live it. And, and here's what happens, and I'm going to encourage you with this. That there's a maturity. When you receive Christ, you begin to grow. It says that you're born again. So it's as if you're a little baby and you begin to, to mature. Now you're walking spiritually and you're talking spiritually. And, and you're, you're growing up. And, 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 and Paul talks about, you know, when you were young, you drank the milk. But then you got older and you were able to eat the real food of life, the real spiritual food. And in this room this morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're alive spiritually. I don't know if you're a little baby spiritually. I don't know if you're a full-grown adult spiritually. I'm hoping that somewhere in your heart that's been revealed to you. And I'm hoping that all of us in this room don't want to stay babies. That we don't want to stay little children. That we have a desire to grow up spiritually. That we have a desire to be mature adults spiritually. And scripture gives us clues on how we can know if that's happening in our lives. Romans is such a good book for us to read because it shows us what it is to be a spiritual adult. Those things that lead us in a path that gives life and maturity. And so we're going to look at that. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. Here's what, here's what Paul writes to the Romans. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering tribulation. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This morning, one of the key elements in growing and maturing in your faith is having a completely different view of those challenges in your life. Because when I lived in the flesh, when I live in the flesh, 
That unfair thing that happens to me becomes my enemy that I focus on and I allow to grow and I, it becomes a tree of bitterness or a tree of anger or it just motivates me in life. I will never let that happen to me again. I will never let anyone hurt me like that again. I will never be used that way again in my life and it becomes the defining factor of who I am. But when I recognize that even the worst event that's happened in your life, God can use to draw himself closer to you. That the worst thing that's happened in your life, we would call it be redeemed. It can be used for good. Something that was bad be used for good. That we recognize that the challenges in our life will lead us to a place of character. What is character? Character is not judging life on what's fair and what's not fair anymore. Character is doing the right thing even if it costs you everything. Character is who you are when nobody's looking. Character is who, what, what you deal with, how you deal with the things that challenge you in life. Character is when that adversity hits you and how you respond. I was always told you don't really know what's in a lemon until you squeeze it. On the outside, I can appear to be in the right, but on the inside, I'm a, I'm a dead thing. I'm, I'm an empty tomb. It's not what our Instagram or our social media says we are. It's who we are on the inside. Our faith. And one of the greatest places of faith is how we deal with adversity. How do I look at adversity? Here you have a guy, we have to understand, he went, Paul, who was called Saul, he went from being one of the top level officials. He was respected. He was the main guy. When he showed up, everyone paid attention. He was somebody special. And yet when he gave his life to Christ and he was transformed, now he has to hide, sneak out windows, put in jail, shipwrecked. He's considered a, a, a thief and a, he's considered, with those who are in prison, he's considered the lowest of the low. So we've gone from the highest totem pole on earth to the lowest totem pole on earth, and yet we find freedom and joy when he's in jail writing letters to the churches to encourage them. He's in jail. They have guys chained to him. And he's sitting there, hey, can I write some letters to churches to encourage them? Because I don't consider this bad thing that's happening to me to be even close to how good the thing God has for me. Amen. He didn't see it. He didn't know it. But today we're reading what he wrote. Because he considered it a joy for God to use this pain to bring character. And the character produces what? Hope. Do you know what money cannot produce? It can produce a short amount, but it does not produce hope. Not the kind of hope that we're talking about here. Do you know what a job, you know, you're moving up the ladder, your job can produce? It can produce a little bit of hope, but it doesn't can produce this kind of hope. Do you know getting that house, that car, that whatever, you fill in the blank, that relationship, none of them produce this kind of hope. Because this hope is strong. This is a hope that's not reliant on the environment. This hope isn't reliant on good things happening to you. This hope isn't relying on all the stars aligning. This hope doesn't rely on everything working out in that day for you. This hope is hope no matter what. It can be the worst of the worst or the best of the best. The hope doesn't change because you have character. And you couldn't get character until you went through some adversity. And I'm telling you, if I met all of you, you'd have really interesting stories of adversity. Because I know everyone in this room has had something in their life that has been very difficult. But that one thing is not a curse. It actually can be the greatest blessing of your life. Because it strengthens you. 
and you recognize, no matter what that thing is, that there's a loving God who's just and righteous, and he will take care of it. That's the hope. That's the hope that, that Paul is writing about here. And so here's the truth. Hope is grown on the fields of hardship. We're not here unless they burn the, the Christians at the stake or feed them to the lions. We're not in this room. The blood of the martyrs has produced the fields and crops of churches all over the world. It wasn't through ease and comfort that the church expanded. We don't have this message of the gospel where we can understand where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going without the death and struggle and pain of those who came before us. There's a field behind us that is covered in blood because people wanted us to hear this message today. We cannot overlook that. We can't overstate that. We can't miss the fact that people suffered so we could have this hope message. And so when we come to a place where adversity shows itself, we come to that challenge in our life, how will we look at it? How will we see it? How will we deal with it? Romans 5, 17, it says, for if by the trespasses of one man, and this is amazing, this is, the, this is the really good news. For by the trespasses of one man, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? Let me tell you what that just said, if you missed it. If Adam brought all this pain, COVID, hate, all the trash in your life sin was brought through, how much greater is the good news of Jesus Christ? Because that sin is nothing in comparison. If sin is my fist, the rest of the world is his grace. The goodness outweighs the badness. The goodness is much gooder than the bad. <laughs> I know it's bad English. It's, it is beyond your ability. It's, for in this room, we're trying to understand something that is so far beyond any of us, but we can understand something is better than something else. And sin is less than. Heaven is greater than. Jesus is greater than. Jesus is good. Jesus is great. His gospel is wonderful. It doesn't compare to the sin that's distorted everything else. And you and I know how bad this world is. We know what we've seen the evil of what sin has caused. God's Grace is doing much bigger things on the good side of the equation. And in this room, I hope he's stirring something in you. Do you recognize, yes, there is evil. Yes, there's disappointment. Yes, there's all this friction and mess in the world. But the thing that God is doing is better and greater than all of those things comparatively. Amen. Please don't miss that. You can be lulled into a sleep in life and think that this is how it's always going to be and that one day it just ends and it doesn't really matter. That is a lie. All the evil will be dealt with. All the sin will be dealt with. And the goodness of God reflects even today. The fact that I can go walk on the beach and see a beautiful sunset and say, awesome God, and be in awe and wonder and be overwhelmed with the beauty of this creation shows me that this messy creation still reveals the goodness of who God is. And if we as Christians start seeing how God is manifesting, how he is shining through, do you know the stories that impact me are the stories of the people that have been enslaved and gone through tragedy and yet have given glory to God and they are victorious and now they have power in their lives and they're transforming the world. 
You know where the church is growing in China where it's illegal to be a Christian? You know where the church is growing in India where you are persecuted? Because even in the worst places, God's doing greater than the worst. Even in where the darkest points on earth are, there's a brighter light shining in. We've got to stop living like the enemy is stronger than the king. We've got to stop living like somehow the enemy owns more property than the king. Sin's pain does not compare to Christ's amazing grace. Sin's adversity in your life today, whatever it is, does not compare to what God wants to do in and through you for eternity. When you accept that, you have changed your mind about adversity. When you accept the fact that whatever it is, whatever it is, that God is going to do something greater than that in the positive. God is going to do something greater than that. Can you believe that today? Can you put your faith in that today? That however dark, horrible that thing was, God can do something greater than even that in the positive. What are we anticipating if we're not anticipating an awesome God? Are we looking forward to this Jesus who's going to return to establish his kingdom? Because it's better than this kingdom. It's better than this lost world. I would encourage you this morning, if you know Christ as your Savior, challenge yourself to look at adversity differently. Challenge yourself to say, God, how do you want me to look at this problem? How do you want me to look at this issue? How do you see it? Because there's a really interesting story in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And Jacob thinks he lost his son Joseph to a lion. And now he's told that his sons have gone off and they're asking to take his new youngest son back to Egypt to become a slave and they'll never see him again. And if you read the scripture, he says, what horrible thing has happened to me that now I'm losing another one of my kids? What a horrible, terrible thing that's happening to me. How could this happen to me? How could God let this happen to me? He didn't know the whole story. He didn't know it was the first son that he actually didn't lose, was calling the whole family to a place of victory and peace. He didn't know that God had used a very difficult time to bring a blessing into his life. He didn't know that he had to go through some trust and belief that God was going to use a difficult situation to do something great. But if you read the story, he gets to reunite with his son, Joseph. They're saved from the famine. And God has done something greater than anything else that could have been done that he felt was lost. This morning, are you willing to look at those things in your life and submit them to God? And say, I think you can do something greater than how this makes me feel with pain. Am you willing to say, God, help me to understand. Help me to see it the way you see it. Help me to receive it the way you have made me to receive it. Here are some applications for you this morning to take with you. Consider your attitude towards your challenges. How much control do your challenges have in your life? Consider it. Be honest. You don't find victory or hope until we deal with the real issues. 
Plan to persevere and pursue character. Do you know almost nothing happens in life until you start planning to do it? I'll go to church one day. I'll read my Bible one day. I'll pray one day. If you don't say Monday I'm reading my Bible, then there's probably a good chance you're not reading your Bible ever. You got to plan these things. You got to say, God, I'm intentional. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to put you on my calendar. I'm going to put you on my to-do list. I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to grow in you. And I'm not going to just wait till it happens. I'm going to plan these things. I'm going to plan that I'm going to meet with other people and I'm going to talk to them about my adversity so they can pray for me and that we can see what you're doing in the midst of it. God has given us the tools. He's given us the people. He's given us all of these things. And he said, now I need you to follow me. I need you to obey the call. I need you to respond when I share truth with you. Thirdly, consider the greatness of Christ's grace. Consider the greatness. So this is, some people, and this is just me, I always wonder why did God allow Adam and Eve to sin? Right? That's such a hard question. And I'm not saying I know for certain. But I can tell you this, because they sin, now we get a greater good. Right? Because they sin, now we get a greater good. We would have never experienced the greatness or the goodness of God without that ability. And so it, it's comforting to know that God wanted me to experience even a greater good than a perfect garden. Like the perfect garden is wonderful, but I have a greater good for you. I have a greater garden than that. Am I willing to accept and believe that even though things are messy, God has something that's way better than the mess? Finally, celebrate and thank Jesus for his amazing grace. If I could tell you one thing to do in your life that would transform your life, it would transform every, if, every, if we all just did this, it would transform the United States, it would transform the world, if we regularly thanked God for everything in our life. You know what it's hard to do? It's hard for me to thank God for someone and then hate that person. It's hard for me to thank someone and then bad talk them. It's hard for me to thank God and then complain. It's hard to thank God and then allow things to be destructive in my life. Thanking him is like cutting the wires to those bombs. Thanking him is a tool that has been given to us to give us great victory. And so when you begin to daily, thank you, God. Thank you even for this adversity, because I know it's going to strengthen me. Thank you for this minute, this day, this hour. Thank you for the people you've put in my life. Thank you for the gravity that holds me to the ground. Thank you for the oxygen I'm allowed to breathe. Thank you that I have a brain and ears and eyes and I can comprehend. Thank you. Thank you that you have shown me you love me. Thank you that you died on a cross for my sins. So I don't have to be good enough because you wore for me. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Would you make that part of your life? What would your life look like? If you were known, that guy, he's just so thankful. He's so gracious. He's so full of gratitude. How awesome would that be?